Hey, Crosspoint family, Pastor James. I am in Birmingham, Alabama this weekend speaking at a student conference, so obviously I am not here with you guys this morning. So we are going to have our executive director, the talented Mrs. Susie Jordan, speaking today about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, before she comes and speaks, though, we want to show you an experiment that we did this past week. Our good friend, Mr. Jonathan Sutton, went out into the community here in Cartersville, and he just went and he asked people what they had to say about the fruit of the Spirit. And so we want you to take a look at this. All right, so what do you think of when you hear the phrase, fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit. Um... What comes to mind? Probably the Bible. <laughs> what? <laughs> fruit. Uh, random. God. Can you give me some context here? I don't know. Do you know? That's a whole lot deeper than I thought it was going to be. Man, fruit of the Spirit is something I've never heard before. Some kind of religious sect. I mean, I automatically think biblical. Candy. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I guess the uh, the end result, something. Everything you say, you're, you're, I've heard fruits of your labor. I think you know, you know, something paying off, or the end result is working hard for something. So, fruit of the soul, I guess, would be something similar. That's what I would think of. Think of fruit like grapes and bananas, <laughs> strawberries. <laughs> fruit of spirit, eternal life, uh, Jesus. Fruit of the spirit, faith and being. Happy people? <laughs> no, no, I think of like a spirit that's a fruit. <laughs> Kindness, gentleness, self-control. Love, faith. Um, Jesus. Peace, love, joy. <laughs> Goodness, patience, kindness. What else? Peace, love, so gentleness. What? Gentleness, kindness, self-control. Meek. Is that me? No, maybe not. Uh, how many times have I read through that verse? And, you know. So, all of that sounds about right. With that context, yeah. I thought we were talking about Halloween spirits. I thought we were talking about giving out fruit for Halloween. Don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. But no. That's yeah. perfect. Okay. I get it. I get it. The awesome. things that you should be doing. Well, good morning. How are y'all? Good. Well, we are glad you guys are here. And we just, you know, we are in our fourth week of a study we're doing about the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say, if you are visiting here or you just got promised lunch and that's why you're here, I just want to say we're really glad you came. And we just, um, I just want to invite you just to listen in and just um, see what this is all about this past couple of weeks that we've been talking about. And as I was thinking about this morning, I, I felt like I needed to confess something to you guys. And this is something that's really true about me. And I am directionally challenged. Um, I really am that person that I just go ahead and plan when I have to go someplace that's like maybe on the other side of Atlanta or in another state. I just go ahead and allow myself several times to get lost. And so I, it's really funny when I first got married, I, I didn't realize I was totally this way, but what happens when I have to go to a new place, if I know that my husband is familiar with that area or has been there, I will ask him, hey, can you, how do I get there? And I know this part, but can you help me clue in? And so when we first got married, he would start saying phrases like, well, you go 250 yards. And I was like, 
I don't know what that means, you know? Or when someone would say, it's about three football lengths. I don't know what that means. And so, so he learned really quickly that what he needed to tell me to help me because I'm directionally challenged is he would have to give me landmarks because as I'm headed to my direction, what I want to know are there things that I can look for on the way to validate, to let me know that I am headed in the right direction because when I see those things, it reduces my anxiety level greatly. And so he would learn to say things like, well, you're going to get off the exit and you're going to see a bank. And when you see that bank, you're going to take a left. And he would begin to give me very specific directions. And so it's really been very helpful. But the reason I, I share that with you is because we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And last week, James talked about how when it comes to listening and following the lead of the Holy Spirit, we have to quiet the noise, tune in and listen, and then we have to move. And today we're going to talk about some specific signs that we can see within ourselves that let us know that we are moving in the right direction when it comes to following the Holy Spirit. And before we start, let me just open us up in prayer. God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time. Lord, I just, um, I just ask that you would just calm my heart. God, I pray that you would give us um, exactly what we need this morning and that when we all leave here, we know exactly what it means when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. It would be completely clear. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So when this whole idea of how do I know if I'm moving in the right direction, because I don't know about you, but if I'm going to go to the effort to follow the Holy Spirit, I really want to know that I'm going the right way. So the first question we're going to answer today, and we only have two, is this. How do you know if you're moving in the right direction? And there's a guy named Paul, and he wrote in the book of Galatians, and if you have a Bible or a smartphone, we're in chapter 5, just so you know. And in the first part of chapter 5, he's talking about this freedom we have in Christ. And in verse 16, he begins to talk about this whole idea of walking, following the Spirit, and what does it look like in the life of someone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. And he starts out this way in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Now, when he's saying walk by the Spirit, he literally is meaning you follow after walk by the Spirit. And he says, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Now, this tree up here on my left, which would be your right, this tree represents our flesh. And if you can't tell, these are all dead leaves. And see, our desires of the flesh are those things that we do apart from God. They displease God, and they are sin. So Paul is saying, listen, if you will walk after the Spirit and that is what this looks like, you will not satisfy the desires of your flesh. So basically saying, if you follow the Spirit, you won't sin. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. You'll walk after the Spirit, you won't sin. And then he goes on in verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, what I love about Paul is he it was flesh and blood like you and I. And so he understood this tension that you feel. Because before I came to know Christ, I, this is the only way I knew to live, right? Because in, and after I met Christ, I had another way to live. However, I still had this sin nature. And he's saying, listen, I know in you people that there is this tension going on. That you, you feel called, you feel pulled by your flesh to do certain things. But you know what you want to do is these other things. Because he's saying, listen, these two things, your flesh and the spirit, they will never agree. 
on the direction you should go. It is unreconcilable because the flesh will always lead you into sin, which always leads you away from God. The spirit will never lead you into sin and will always lead you toward God. So he's saying, I want to acknowledge, you got to walk by the spirit because these two things, they will never see eye to eye. And you've got to choose, am I going to live by my flesh? Those things that cry out to me that maybe you did for years and years and years before you met Jesus, are you going to live by those and walk in that or are you going to walk by the Spirit? And then he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Because Paul's just reminding them, listen, the law was given to us so that you would understand and see your sin and you would understand your need for Jesus. And when you understand your sin and your need for Jesus, once he, you ask him into your life, then you get the Holy Spirit. So you're not under law. What you're under is the leading of the Holy Spirit if you are in Christ Jesus. And you know, you know a great example of this is, um, and I've shared this with you before, but I don't know why, I just kind of showed up here and I just am a hothead. I can go from zero to angry pretty fast. And so before I met Jesus, this was the only way I knew how to live. And I want you to know this, the tree is my, this black tree, it's a dead tree, it represents my flesh. And all of the things that I did, even though some of them might have appeared good, they were out of my own ability. And since they were out of my own ability, they were apart from the Spirit because I didn't have Him. They were sin and they were displeasing to God. And so when it came to my anger... When, and I have a sister, and she's older than me, and I was the youngest. There's only two of us, and so since she was the oldest one, I was the typical younger sister, okay? And so when I, we would get into fights, and she would make me angry, this is the only way I knew how to live. I had nothing else but to pull from for my flesh. But then Paul, he goes on, and he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, after I met Jesus, I remember distinctly, I was in 10th grade, and before, remember, all I had to do was live out of this. My only option, I didn't have Jesus, but now I have the Holy Spirit. And I remember my sister and I got into it, okay? And what was very interesting is, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit because I'm made to live like this. And I remember thinking, I've just struggled with this my whole life, all 15 years of it, Lord. And I remember just thinking, you know what? And reading my Bible and thinking, hey, if he can part the Red Sea and he's given me the Holy Spirit, I don't have to choose this anymore. And I began to press into God and pray. And I'll never forget because, you know, it, it really, we got into fights all the time, right? That's just what you do when you're in high school with your sisters, right? And I remember um, I was praying ahead going, okay, Lord, listen, I don't want to respond this way. I want to respond this way. And I remember it was just so cool because one time, at this particular time I'd been praying, and um, this is the very first time I'd experienced this, I felt like this, my flesh, this anger start raising up in me, and I just stepped back. And I thought, you know what, Lord? I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to respond this way. And I remember thinking, and just so you know, it worked. And I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, oh my gosh, this really works. This Holy Spirit thing, oh my goodness, right? And, and I want you to see something that's so interesting about this whole thing. Is that as we quiet the noise and we tune in and we begin to move, you, we need to see more of these fruit 
of the Spirit in our life. There's nine different types of fruit that were listed, characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. But this fruit, people need to see, hey, are you becoming more loving? Am I becoming more kind? Is there more peace? Is there more joy? Am I gentle? Are these the kind of things that I see coming out of being produced in my life? And you know what's interesting about this is that I don't know if you thought about this, but if you've ever been around people that live out of this, you never walk away feeling like you've been filled with life, right? But when I'm with someone who's walking out love and joy and kindness, something about that just breathes life into me. And I love what, what Paul says. He says, after he lists those nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, he says, against such things, there's no law. And I love that, because wouldn't that be silly if there was like, ma'am, you are too joyful, we're going to have to take you in. I mean, just something crazy like that, right? I mean, who doesn't need more peace in this kind of economy? I mean, with the holidays coming, which one of us in here really doesn't need more self-control? Not just from eating, but we see, ho- we see those, those uh, relatives that we never see the rest of the year, right? And so some of us just need self-control for our mouth, right? I mean, who doesn't need more of this? But here's what I want you to see that's really important. When we work out of our flesh, it's all me. It's me and my ability and my power. But this right here is what the Holy Spirit empowers me to do. It's him doing it through me. Now, the fruit of the Spirit here, there's a few things it tells about your life. First of all, it lets people know that you you have this new creature, creation, this new creature. You have this new life in you. Because before, you could never, you're like this, you could never produce this. And something else it lets you know, it's an indicator of your spiritual health. So here's what I mean. This past week, something happened that upset me. And I found out about it right before I met my kids after school. So when my kids walked in, apparently I was not exhibiting any love or joy or patience. There was nothing here, okay? So my, and I was not even aware of it because my heart was, it literally I just found out and then they walked in the door. It was like that. So then my daughter... I mean, they hadn't been home hardly at all. She looked at me and she goes, gee, mom, why are you being so yelly? And so here's, and in that moment, this is what I thought. Oh, man. See, I'm a hothead and I'm working out of my anger. I'm working out of my flesh. Because, see, when this stuff pops up, it tells me to step back, call an audible in my life, and figure out, okay, Lord, where am I? What's going on in my heart? Why am I choosing to walk in the flesh and not choosing to walk in the spirit? Now, something else that tells us this is that it, it's an indicator of your maturity of your walk with the Holy Spirit. Now, think about it. If I go to Home Depot right now and I went and bought an apple tree, just a small one, it would be like in a bag of potting soil and there'd be a stick. That apple tree and that stick, it's not going to make any apples. But as I plant that tree and as it grows and the roots get established, every year it produces more and more fruit. And that is what our life looks like as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. As we move in his direction, we see, oh my stars, I'm grown in patience. I am so much more loving. I am so much more gentle with people. Like we begin to see these things walk out. And I want you to know what I've discovered in my life as I've seen these fruit, the fruit of the Spirit kind of come in me, what I've seen is it's very small, small, small increments. But over time, you can see a change. 
Now, I want to brag on God for a minute, because the story I'm about to tell you, it's all God, and I know that. But my sister and I, um, we are very good friends, and we like to do things together. And so this has been several years ago, but both of us had been married, and we've been out of the house for about 10 years, and we decided we were going to go away together. And so when um, me and my sister go away, we almost always think of the beach. And so we went away, and we did what we normally do besides, you know, lay on the beach and, and we go to restaurants. We went to some shopping, and we were at this department store, and there was this young woman I went to check out, and there was this young woman that was helping us, and I say the word helping very loosely, and she was probably in her late teens, and she did not want to be there. I think I had interrupted a conversation that she was having on the phone with her boyfriend, and um, so she was very, you know, not so happy, and so I began to ask her some questions because I, I needed her to help me with something, and, and she told me, no, I, I can't do that. Now, I want to tell you my request was not illegal. It was not something that she didn't have in her power to do. It was simply she did not want to do it. So because when she first said no, I thought, maybe I didn't ask it well. Maybe I made it sound too confusing. So I rephrased my question, and apparently she did not. She heard me correctly. She goes, no, I can't do that for you, ma'am. Now, so I thought, okay. So I finished my transaction, and I stepped away. Now, my sister, who's known me my whole life, her eyes are, like, wide open. And she's looking at me like, who are you and where is my sister? Because she looks at me and she says, are you going to let her talk to you like that? Because what she knows about me is my old self in my flesh, right? When I operate in my flesh, literally after the first time that woman told me no, there would have been a manager there. Because this was not customer service that this company would have approved of. And I would have had to let someone know because I want to be helpful, right? <laughs> and she would have known. She would have known that's what, what the story would have happened. And, and, and literally, and then my sister was about to go fight for me because I'm her sister. I go, no, no, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. So we go back. So the last night before we come home to reality, we were eating dinner, and she said, I just want to tell you something. I can tell that the Lord has been changing you because I know there's no way you could have done that before because I would live out of this. But what she saw that night was the Holy Spirit produced patience and kindness in me towards this woman. And she knew when she saw that, that was God. That wasn't me. Because I'm naturally not very loving or kind or gentle. My children tell me this. I know this. Right? And so that's the Holy Spirit. And so here's the deal. The fruit that we walk out in our life, it tells us stuff about ourselves. And as we grow in this walk with the Holy Spirit, we should be producing more. And if you're not producing more, the question is why? It's why am I not producing more? Then Paul goes on. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Okay, here's what he's saying, and this is as true as true can be. If you say to me, I have Christ in my heart, like I know him, he is my Lord and Savior, this is what I would tell you. This old flesh nature, even though it still calls out to me, it is dead. You see, before I knew Christ, all I could do was obey this. I had no other power. But now that I know Christ, I have the supernatural power given to me by God through the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me. Most certainly, I have the ability to not listen to my flesh every time. But see, the enemy dupes me into thinking I don't have any choice. And so these things in my life that I used to do, that were in, I used to do before I met Christ, they just sometimes creep up in me. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but those things that you just kind of struggle with. 
it just seems like you just can't ever break free of those. You're always trying. And so one day, I'm in this, this week, and I just kind of kept doing this thing that out of my flesh, which means it displeases God and it's sin. So if I'm walking in that, I can't be walking in this. So I'm laying in bed one night. It's told Romans 7, Romans 7 where it's like I'm doing the things I don't want to do. So I'm really whining to God in my bed, and I'm like, oh, man, I just keep doing this, and I don't know why I keep doing this. I know I shouldn't be doing this, and I'm just going this whole conversation. And when I stop talking and I just take a breath, I really sense the Holy Spirit say inside of me, like my husband who was asleep did not hear, I hear him say inside of me, Susie, if you don't want to do that, then stop. And I was like, what do you mean stop? Because the whole week all I felt like, all I thought I could do was I had to answer what my flesh was screaming for. He said, your flesh is dead. You don't have to answer it anymore. It's been crucified. So stop listening to your flesh because you belong to Christ Jesus and just walk in the Spirit and do the things you know the Spirit is leading you to do. Because here's the deal. This fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about, it is what it looks like for Christ to live his life out through you and me. This is what it looks like. And if you and I are moving in the right direction, we should see that we're moving in the right direction because we start seeing more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more self-control. We see more gentleness and faithfulness. We see all of this, more of this. That is evidence that this is what's going on. Now, John Piper says it this way. He says, the Christian life, the fruit of the Spirit, is a constant reckoning of the flesh as dead and a constant relying on the present Spirit of Christ to produce the fruit of the Spirit within me. I have to continually say, I know my flesh is telling me to do stuff that I know I don't need to do. I don't have to listen to it. What I need to do is walk by the Spirit because then I won't gratify the desires of my flesh. And I thought about this morning... Because I wondered, how in your life do you know that produces this kind of fruit? And when you're with that person that's walking with the Spirit and they're showing love and joy and peace and patience, when they are doing these things, I wonder how it makes you feel. Because here's what I know to be true. When I live out of this, it never ever brings life to anyone, ever, ever, ever. It never brings life. But when someone, and I walk in this, it brings life to others, and it brings life to me. Now, Paul says that these works of the flesh, they're, they're like drunkenness. It's like uh, being jealous, being envious, idolatry, sorcery, sexual immorality, you know, one of the words that Paul describes as the work of the flesh, because he wants to give us an example, is he says, um, when he says sensuality, that literally means conduct unbecoming of God. And I immediately thought of the Girls Gone Wild videos. And how, in Jesus' name, I pray my, nev my daughter's never in one of those, right? And, and, and when he talks about um, works of the flesh, they tend to be stuff like causes division, dissension. It's anything that we do in our own power that is a part from the Holy Spirit. Then he says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Because if we want to live to experience God's life in us through the Spirit, we got to walk behind the Spirit and follow Him. If that's 
what we want our life to look like. Now, because of the way I am, and I have this anxiety about making sure I'm going the right direction, here's my question for you. How do we continue to keep in step with the Holy Spirit? You see, because as I'm driving to that destination, I don't just have a couple of landmarks on the way. I want to know, what do I need to do to keep driving in the right direction? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, what do I need to do to keep in step with the Holy Spirit? And the answer is simply this. It's yield. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, in traffic, when you're driving on the road, there's those diagonal signs that say yield. And when I see one of those, it tells me to stop and look for oncoming traffic because I'm going to yield and give that oncoming traffic the right of way. So when it comes, when you and I, were walking out our salvation every day, and we don't want to live out of our flesh, we want to live out of this. As we're doing that, it requires us to stop and yield to the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to give you an example of this. When I first started thinking, oh man, I, Lord, I don't want to live like this anymore. I know I have you, and you desire me to live like this. It literally became this intentional thought where I'd have to stop, literally. So I'm in the dentist's office. It's been several years ago. I was in the dentist's office. I had, we had an appointment for my son after lunch, and there was a big long line of moms waiting. And they, they were coming back a few minutes late, but it was no big deal because when we walked in, they opened up two windows, which means there was two lines to check in your children. So I was in my line, and this other lady was in her line. And just so you know, again, definitely two lines. It wasn't a merging line that parted. It was definitely two lines. So the lady in front of me is done, and she moves to the right, and I literally go to take a step, and this grandmother right here sideswipes and does this. Now, immediately, ooh, was my flesh telling me stuff, right? But I thought, okay, wait a minute. I don't have to listen to you. So I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? And I really sense the Holy Spirit saying, nothing. You just stand there. You just be loving. Let's just offer her kindness. And it literally was like that where I had to stop every single time and think, okay, what is next? Okay, because really and truly, this was all I knew how to live. And I was wanting to get out of that and start moving towards this on everyday life. I want to tell you this quote from Francis Chan because I just love it. He says, when I live out of my flesh, my life looks exactly like people who do not have the Holy Spirit of the living God living in them. I don't want my life to be explainable apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. I never thought about that way. But every time I walk in the flesh and I live out of this, my life looks like everybody else who does not have the Holy Spirit living in them. And every time I live like this, I am living this crazy good, only explained by the power of the Holy Spirit kind of life. It's Him living through me. Let me give you an example this week that happened where I got to experience this from somebody else. I have a friend of mine, and she was talking to my husband, and he just happened to bring up hope for Christmas. And here's what I didn't know. Apparently, she had been really praying and trying to figure out what she needed to do. She felt like she needed to help something and do something for this community and help other people. But she had thought of it several things, but she hadn't actually moved or done anything. But when Glenn shared about hope for Christmas at our church and what it was looking like and how we were helping people all over the community... She called me right after she left the store, and she said, hey, I want to help you. And I thought, okay, I would love that. 
I said, what does that mean to you? When you say help, what do you mean? Could you put some words around that? And she said, well, what do you need? I said, well, I gotta be honest. We gotta come up with 2,400 toys. We could use some help with that. So she said, okay. And she said, so what do I need to do? So we began talking about it. And she goes, well, if I can't get people to go buy a toy, can they give me money and we'll go buy it? Absolutely, we'll take their money. Yes, that would be great. So that night, she, her daughter texts me. Her daughter's the same age as my little girl. And she texts me and she said, hey, Miss Susie, I just want you to know, I just made $55 for Hope for Christmas selling pineapple bread. And then, and then I called her mom. I called her mom because I wanted to talk to her little girl, Anna. And I said, um, I, we talked some more. And she said, could you bring me some more of those ornaments? And could you bring me some pieces of paper? So I checked in with her the next day just to ask her a few quick questions to see if she needed anything else from me. And she said, hey, I just want you to know. And it wasn't even lunchtime. She goes, I've already raised $500 for Hope for Christmas. And I just love it because, see, this woman, she's a very busy woman. And she has lots that she could do. And she could have been like, oh, that sounds like so much work. Or I don't want to do that Holy Spirit. But she didn't do that. When she felt the Holy Spirit prompting her and leading her to come help a church she's not a part of to do an event that really doesn't affect her externally anyways, she just jumped up and said, you know what? I, I mean, what I saw from her was not just love for this church and the community, but I saw kindness and I saw goodness because goodness is kindness through, shown through generosity. That's what that means in the Greek. And I just thought, wow. When we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, man, it blesses other people. But I can tell you, as I do that and as my friend does that, it builds something and blesses something in her every time. You see, the sins that we entertain and these, these negative thoughts that we accommodate and these bad habits that we continue to do, they just put shackles around us and we don't get to experience this victorious living. And when we live out of our flesh, man, and we allow these sins, they just rob us of the abundant life that we've been giving. Now Paul says this. In verse 16, he says, walk by the Spirit. In verse 18, he says, be led by the Spirit. And in verse 22, he says, when you do that, you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the way that we know we're continually moving in the right direction is we yield every step, every decision to the Holy Spirit. And if you are like me, when I first started doing this, it felt like I was wearing someone else's shoes. Sometimes I see my daughter and she'll have my shoes on and they're too big and they're clunky. And I just think, she's going to break her neck. That's what I'm thinking sometimes. And I remember as I started to do this, it felt like I was wearing somebody else's shoes. But you know what I want to report to you, and this is only by the grace of God and His ability, is I now feel uncomfortable when I live like this. This has become my new norm. This has become, whoo, these do not feel right at all. They feel way, way, way too tight. What's going on here? You see, because it's a decision, but it's a yielding to him and his leading so that we can produce this. As we close, I'm going to invite the band to come on up. But I was thinking about us this morning, and I thought about something called a litmus test. And let me define what that is for you. A litmus test is a test in which a single factor is decisive in proving the presence or absence of something. So for you and I, when we quiet the noise, we tune in and listen, and we start moving, to know if we're moving in the right direction, our litmus test is, am I seeing these fruits, this fruit of the Spirit, lived out in me? Do I see more love, more gentleness, more patience, more kindness? Like, what am I seeing, or do I see this kind of thing? And every time that we take a step and we follow him, it's just simply us stepping back and yielding 
to what he is leading us to do. Because if you are in Christ, you're made to live like this. Don't live like someone who doesn't have the spirit of the living God in you. This is who he says you are. So as you do life this week, walk in the spirit. Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you that the things that you call us to do, you just provide for us. And you long for us to be in right relationship with you. And for that to happen, God, man, we just got to walk in the spirit and not listen to our flesh. Because it will lead us into sin every time. But your spirit, Lord, it leads us to peace and love and joy and goodness. And Lord, against such things, there is absolutely no law. God, thank you so much for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.